0: Our subject this morning is, what's so great about Christianity? Well, what is so great about Christianity? Let me read from the Gospel of John chapter 20 and reading from verse 26. The Gospel of John, as you know, is one of the most favorite gospel. It is is apologetic. John takes seven miracles of Jesus. And then proves that Christianity is great. And I think the climax of this chapter is on chapter 20. And starting from verse 26, we read here. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. They say in the city of New York, there are eight million cats and 12 million dogs. That is in the city. Of New York, and uh, New Yorkers have a crisis when they have a pet because when the pet dies, they don't have a backyard like we do to bury the cat or dog, and so it's a catastrophe in one sense to <laughs> survive with a dead pet because the graveyard for pets are very expensive. But there's a lady in Canada uh, in, the, in New York who advertises a service. See, she. Advertise the newspaper saying if your cat or dog dies, call me, I'll take care of it for $25. So what she does is she comes over to your place, picks up the dead cat or dog and uh, takes us over to the New York subway station. And then she leaves the bag unattended for a while. And in New York, substation there are would be thieves waiting for a lady with a callous bag and uh, she go to the toilet (laughs) by the time she comes back her job is over (laughs) I like to see the man who takes that bag run for his life (laughs) and then (laughs) the moment he opens the bag uh, I like to see that lady is a beautiful lady she's smart Well, that is a true story. It happens frequently in New York. In life, we often do that. We pick a philosophical bag, or we call it a metaphysical bag, and then we go on with life without examining what's in the bag. All of us carry a philosophical bag. Christianity is my bag. (laughs) But what is in it? What is in that bag? That's what I like to discuss today. Oh, I need to click oh, no, none. OK, the next. Mercy, this is going to be challenging uh, The next one. <clears throat> oh I'm seeing here is something, and over there is something else. <laughs> All right. If I could read it here, it's better. Uh, a blind faith may comfort you, but an intelligent faith will convince others. You will agree with that? Thank you. There's an intelligent man here. Um. (laughs) And uh, the next one, in my experience, I find there are three types of people. Those that are moved by reason, others are moved by emotion, and others don't move at all. Hopefully that uh, we are not the third person because that is psychotic, because the person who can't respond to evidence is dead intellectually. And you got some people in the world who never is impressed by anything you say. They are philosophically dead. Uh, Like the man who woke up one day and told his wife, I'm dead. The wife said, get out of bed, otherwise you'll be dead. (laughs) And he said, no, I'm dead. So she called the doctor and said, my husband thinks he's dead. The doctor said, bring him over. And she brought him over, and the doctor asked, what's your problem? Doctor, I'm dead. Doctor said, you're speaking, you're not dead. No, no, I'm dead. So he convinced the man that dead people don't bleed. So he went to the monastery, proved the Lord of people who are dead, that they were not bleeding. So he taught him a lesson. Look, dead people don't bleed. Okay, okay, he said, I believe that. So he said, come here, Jack. Show me your hand. And he poked him with a needle, and he began to bleed. And he said, Jack, you're bleeding. You're alive. The guy says, man alive. Dead people do bleed after all. And you got some kind of, there are other people in the world (laughs) who take that sort of attitude. But uh, that is metaphysically dead, philosophically dead. Praise God that our rational faculty is working. That's a gift of God. That's why you're a human, because we are able to reason. The Bible says, come now, let us reason together. Christianity is eminently reasonable. Let's turn to the next one. Samuel Beckett, a Nobel Prize winner, uh, says, how am I, an atemporal being, imprisoned in time and space to escape from my imprisonment when I know that outside space and time lies nothing and that I am the ultimate depth of my reality am nothing also. Here's a Nobel Prize winner. He's asking the right question. If there is no God, if there is no transcendent being outside our universe, if we are just an accidental collections of atoms, what are we? If ultimately we are nothing but atoms in motion, what are we? What hope do we have? To answer that question, Christianity sends Jesus Christ. And the next one. Madonna is a very interesting lady. She says, there were many years when I thought fame, fortune, and public approval would bring me happiness. But one day you wake up and realize that they don't. I still felt something was missing. I wanted to know the meaning of true and lasting happiness and how I could go about finding it. The next one. Pascal says it so beautifully, the French philosopher, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart. It is universal. That's how we create religion, to satisfy. We turn to science. We turn to psychology. We turn to religion to fill this emptiness of fame and fortune. But it doesn't. Christianity confirms that. When it comes to Jesus Christ, you find that fulfillment. The famous philosopher Wittgenstein, one of the greatest of the 20th century philosophers, uses this illustration. If I were to ask you, what is this thing? Some of you might say, ice cube, (laughs) butter. Some of you might say, it's just a box, empty box. Some of you thinking about death might think it's a coffin. What is that? What do you see? Well, the interesting part is that no matter how brilliant you are, no matter how many PhD you have, you can never answer that question. What is that? In the same way, put a person over there. Ask, what is that? The psychologist might say you're a psychological being. The sociologist might say you're a social being. The philosopher might say you're a thinker, but who are you? Man can never answer that question. Let's go to the next one, yep. Jean Paul Sartre, Nobel Prize winner for literature, came to the right conclusion. He says, a finite point without an infinite reference point is meaningless and absurd. Think about that. He's right. We, the finite being, without an infinite reference point is meaningless and absurd. In other words, humans don't have within themselves to rise above their finiteness unless the infinites come to the finite world. And that's the Christian message. What's so great about Christianity? The infinite has become finite. The abstract has become concrete. The Word has become flesh. God has come to us. I'll never forget my special occasion in Canada. I was invited by a student organization to go to debate at six universities. That was the highlight of my life. They invited me for a whole month. And James Owen, the American astronaut, was invited along to speak On that week when we had the space shuttle accident, remember that space shuttle accident? I think six or seven Americans lost their life in space. I was in Canada, Calgary. And Jens Irwin was on television explaining about space travel. And the audience came to hear this great astronaut speak about his moonwalk. And I'll never forget what he said on that occasion to this Canadians who are looking forward to understand about space travel. James Evans said this, the greatest event in history was not when man walked on the moon. The greatest event in history was when God himself walked on our earth. And if you look at the life of Christ, you will come to that conclusion he was not just mere man he was not just a teacher he was not just a prophet he was God acting so beautifully the love of God showing so beautifully the power of God speaking the wisdom of God and when you look at Jesus Christ you find something amazing here in the text It says so beautifully in verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came. I like that phrase, Jesus came. You know, God came. God came for you. He came in search for our life. That's the Christian message. What's so great about Christianity? See, only Christianity emphasizes this. God came. No other religion emphasizes that. In other religions, God is too abstract to come to us. God is too impersonal. It's impossible. All religion says man is trying to reach God. Only Christianity says God reach down to us. That's a beautiful thing. Wittgenstein said this so beautifully here. He says, man never has sufficient perspective from within the world to build an eternal structure of truth and value. He's right. He was never an atheist, Wittgenstein. He says that or, we don't have the sufficient perspective. So all religion is An attempt in futility, because to reach the infinite from a finite point of view is impossible. The Christian message is that God, from the infinite being, from infinite point of view, is able to come to us, and that's good news. And that's why Christianity is so different. It it disagrees with human wisdom, because it's God's wisdom, and that's so beautiful. It's amazing. Burton Russell, I wish I had more time to talk about him, Uh, he came to this conclusion, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. And he's the world's greatest atheist, English atheist. He's no longer an atheist now. He died some time ago. So he saw that he's wrong. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to the next one. I was traveling with a pastor a few years ago uh, we were going to Malaysia, and as we were in the airport waiting for a plane to arrive, I said, let's have some coffee at the Burger King cafe. So while we were having our coffee, there was a lady who joined us on the other side of the table. She's from L.A. She's about in the early 60s. So we greeted her, and we had some small talk. And uh, as we were talking about travels, she looked at both of us. She says, what do you guys do? So my Tongan pastor got so excited. He's asthmatic, he's charismatic, he's dogmatic, sometimes romantic. Uh, He looked at her and said, we are ministers of Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. She said, oh, I'm an atheist. And that moment the pastor went to depression. (laughs) I looked at her and when I heard the word atheist, all the atoms in my body started dancing. And they were saying, this is your day. I looked at her and I said, I don't know about you. I have no faith to be an atheist. To be an atheist, you must believe the unbelievable. You must think the unthinkable and reason the unreasonable. She said, what do you mean by that? I said, if you're really an atheist, you must believe that mine came from matter. Matter. You must believe that reason came from non-reason. You must believe that purpose came from chaos. You must believe that values came from non-value. You must believe morals came from atoms, meaning from mud. Do you have the faith to believe that every atheist must believe that? It takes more faith to be an atheist than a Christian. In fact, Christianity is based on fact. Atheism is based on supposition which are contradictory. In fact, for you to say absolutely there is no God, you must have absolute knowledge. Do we have that? So no one can be intelligent enough to be an atheist because it is too expensive. (laughs) It's too difficult. (laughs) In fact, uh, the famous philosopher Bacon once said this, Shallow thinking leads to atheism. Depth in thinking leads to God. And it's true. Deeper thinking, you look at the cosmos, the complexity, the order, the majesty, human being with consciousness, ability, morality, values, all these elements, the wor- I mean, if you look at the human DNA, it is so complex, and so atheists say there is no God, <laughs> that's what the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, not intelligent people, that's what Plato says, atheism is a disease of the soul, not the error of the mind, in fact, Atheism is not intellectual at all. I wish I had more time to talk about it, but we are talking about the Christian faith. Let's go to the next one. Atheism and skepticism, when they deny God, they are cutting off the branch in which they are standing or sitting. Because you have to reject. I was talking, my first job was a school teacher in Wangarei many years ago. I remember uh, talking to one school teacher who said, I don't believe in God. I said, "Uh, don't you believe in the greatest being? Don't you believe in the greatest love? Don't you believe in the greatest wisdom? Don't you believe in the greatest love? Don't you believe in the greatest mind? Don't you believe in the greatest force? Don't you believe in the greatest intelligence? So I said, roll it like that. He said, if you put it that way, (laughs) uh, I'm not an atheist. And you see, a lot of the reason why people reject God is they never understood God. They react to Sunday school or some kind of a shallow thinking. But in reality, God is too expensive to be ignored. God is too beautiful to forget. God is the being who created you. Your existence depends on his existence. If he did not exist, you won't be here this morning. It is because of his grace. It is because of his creative power. Because of his love that we are here. Because he created a universe that is orderly. In fact, this is what blew Einstein. In fact, Einstein, the most incomprehensible aspect of the universe, it is that it is comprehensible. Why is that human beings are able to communicate? Why is that you are able to sing, able to paint, is able to create, do all these things? Can mud graduate into that world? No. Well, God has ordered us. That's why the psalmist says he's put... uh, Solomon said he's put eternity in our hearts. We have a quest for God, and we do it in so many ways. Even the atheists are religious in many ways, because I, when I was debating Bill Cook, I said, cook? Uh, he was not cooking that well that day. I said, if there is no God, why get all cooked up? <laughs> <You know? laughs> there is a reason. Well, in fe- even in atheism, is a search for God, if you look at it. Well, let's move on to the... God exists for several reasons. This will take me 10 hours to go through. But I just want to show that Christianity presupposes the existence of God. In fact, John says this, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. God does exist. And if you look at the reality of the universe... There must be a God because only God could create a universe like this. Chance and chaos does not produce. Chance and chaos are not scientific. No scientist lives by chance. If he does, he will never be a scientist. <laughs> so, science cannot help you. Accidents cannot. In fact, my friend used to say if accidents and explosions could create order and design, how many times must I blow my Volkswagen before it turns into a Rolls Royce? It never happens. Uh, reason, morality, design, value, revelation, resurrection—all proves the existence of God. Okay. Next. Next. Well, let me stop here. As we talk about what's so great about Christianity, some people will say to you that religions are many, and who are you to say your faith? Like math earlier on, who are you to say that 2 plus 2 can't be 7? In other words, they say, why can't Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and millions of people who believe that, are they all wrong? Well, the real issue is, it's not what you believe. Is your belief true. Everyone believes something, but not all beliefs can be true. Think about that. One religion says God is personal. The other religion says God is impersonal. Another religion says man is God. So all of them cannot be true. How can God be both personal and impersonal? One religion says Jesus never died on the cross. The other says he did. Now, can both religions be right? No, they're contradictory. So if you t- apply the laws of non-contradiction, A cannot be A and B non-A at the same time, you find that all religions are contradictory and therefore you ask which among all these religions you find elegance, majesty, wisdom, love, all that and Christianity passes that. That's my burden of my, the burden of my message here this morning is to show that Christianity is unique. I've been looking at it for the last 30 years. Every year I debate with different skeptics and every year my faith in Christianity is stronger. And I see the alternative is really uh, doesn't make sense at all. Uh, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. On the surface level, you know, I was debating the Baha'i leader here some years ago, and uh, Baha'i says everybody is right. <laughs> I said uh, if everybody is right, there's nothing to debate about. And furthermore, if everybody is right, why did you start another religion? <laughs> Right? If all religions are equally true, there's no reason to start another one. So if you look at the the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, it's so different. This is why in this chapter we have God comes to us personally. In Christianity, you have a personal savior, a personal God. No other religions offer that. I challenge you. In Buddhism, God is unknown and unknowable. Islam, God is again a being that you cannot define, a being that you cannot know personally. He's impersonal. Uh, the best you can do is just say, to whom it may concern. You know, it is, there is no uh, rational basis. And God trans- in all other religions, God transcends every category. In Christianity, the transcendent one comes to our world and shows wisdom and love. Let's do the next one, please. Uh, this is what you have with relativism. if all views are true, if all views are true, Hitler was right. Idi Amin was right. Uh, Karl Marx, Pol Pot, all are right. Relativism may sound very impressive. And a relativist says everybody is right, you can just say, I was in, well, I was over at um, Auckland Grammar School, my two boys went to Auckland Grammar School and uh, my, the boy that I love so much, he was number one in Auckland Grammar. In fact, seven of his friends became doctors and he used to say, Dad, I hate to be their patient. They don't even know simple math. And you know what? They all became doctors. <laughs> uh, well, when I was, I was asked to speak at Auckland Grammar School years ago and uh, I gave a 20 minute presentation why Christianity is true. And uh, after that, the debating students were there, and I never forget what they asked. One of the students stood up and he says, Dr. Kumar, he said, reality is what you think. So I looked at him and I said, I think you're wrong. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) Sometimes you get that sort of statement, you know, like the lady who said there are no absolute. I said, are you absolutely sure? And she was absolutely confused. There are certain fallacies people promote to maintain the unbelief, and some of them are: all truth is relative; there are no absolute. and the, the Zen Buddhist one: uh, trust no authority. And then the other one: don't let anyone tell you what is right or what is wrong. <laughs> and the one, the other one: uh, there are no rules. There are no rules. Well, if there are no rules. Why are you give me another rule? There are no rules. Is there still a rule? So. Uh, There are fallacious assumptions people hold on to. We need to challenge that. and uh, So relativism, which says everybody is right, was Hitler right? No, he wasn't. Okay, let's go to the next one. If every faith is true, then there is no wrong faith, and the meaning of the word right has no possible meaning. If everybody is right, then the word right has no possible meaning. So... Right is different to wrong, and and truth is different to people's opinion. Truth is truth whether we believe it or we don't. Christianity is true whether we believe it or we reject it. Our presupposition doesn't determine reality. Reality determines our presupposition. In other words, we live in a world of absolutes. And therefore, if we don't I don't know how a Zen master crosses the road because he has to decide whether there's an objective car coming. You know, If everything is subjective, then how does he cross the road and survives? Well, the laws of logic tell us that it's a guide to our living. And, and by rejecting the law, we go against reality. Let's turn to the next one. Well, we go to the next one. Uh, I've got 10 points. This is a good one. Jane found out, she's now a Christian, but before she was a Christian, she uh, was told that Jesus is the son of God. She replied, she said, he may be for you, but it's not for me. And the response she got was, he either is or he's not. And that's true. A lot of people say to you, oh, well, uh, I admire your religious faith. Christianity may be good for you, but it's not good for me. That's relativism. It's like saying 2 plus 2 works for you, but it doesn't work for me. Reality tells us it does. In other words, if Christianity is true, then the opposite has to be false. You can't have, like if Jesus died on the cross, then he did. But to say he didn't doesn't make sense. So we can create our own theology by subjectivism, but at the end of the day, reality determines our destiny. At the end of the day, truth determines our destiny, not our presupposition. It's nice to have a romantic view. You know, before I married my wife or before she married me, it's hard to know who marries who these days, the women's liberation let's say before I married my wife I believe in my heart that I'm getting married and I was a single man or very single and so in my very single situation I decide to go to church someday Uh, one Saturday I decide to get married and I walk through the church and I believe with all my heart that I'm getting married and I stand before the pulpit and I say I do, I do, I do did I get married? (laughs) no, no matter how much I believe. Unless truth exists, we have no hope. And the beautiful part of Christianity, God has come to us in person. And then he's come to us with wisdom. He was profound. He was not only personal. The Christians have a personal faith, but he also has a profound faith. If you look at our Lord, the way he acts, the way he goes and touched the untouchable, he heals the lepers. He gives sight to the blind. He says, love your enemy. Pray for those who despisely use you. And you see profound wisdom. You cannot take the life of Christ and compare to anyone in the world. No one can match his glory. No one can f- deal with his power. And it's so amazing. What, what brought me to Christianity? maybe we'll go back to the, um, yeah, I got, so, I got about 80 slides and I have to reduce to 40, and even then, I <laughs> will go back to the. I'll go I'll start with that. Plato instructed his disciple for 50 years, Aristotle for 40 years, Socrates for 40 years. These were three giants of the intellectual world. You cannot study philosophy without engaging with Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. The brilliant minds. I had a pleasure of going to Athens some years ago. I was so impressed by the Greek culture. The combined teaching of these three giants were 130 years. Buddha spent about 40 years. Muhammad about 30, 40 plus years. Jesus only spent three years. And look at his impact, just three years. And that should tell you something, isn't it? That he came and he spoke the wisdom of God. And this is so beautiful. So when you look at the Christian evidence and Christian message, it's powerful. Let's go to the next one. Mortimer Adler, very briefly, he was the man who put the encyclopedias together. He's a brilliant mind. He studied so much about both sides. For 70 years, he was a skeptic. But he was fair. He was a good scholar because he looked at both sides, both arguments. He looked at the best of the secular argument against God and the writings of Augustine, the writings of Aquinas, Amselm, and all those others. And he compared them. And this was his conclusion. In his 80s, He came to know Christ as his personal savior. And this is a powerful statement coming from a great philosopher from Chicago. And this is what he says. I believe Christianity is the only logically consistent faith in the world. And this is not coming from a dummy, coming from a very smart guy. Well, he knew so much, that's why he believed. And that's remarkable. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Okay, here Jesus makes, the, the, the basic question people ask is, how do you know Jesus is God? Where does the Bible say he's God? Well, I'll give you 10 points here to, very quickly. To, he, he claimed to forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. He claimed to judge the world. Only God can judge the world. Only God has the right to judge the world. He Claim to give eternal life. Only God has eternal life. And Jesus guarantees that. I will give you eternal life. He takes the place of God. He claimed to be sinless. Only God is sinless. All the other prophets of the world were sinful. But Jesus was sinless. He claimed to be the object of faith. Only God should be the object of our faith. And Jesus claims that. And then he claimed to answer prayer. Only God answers our prayer because God is powerful enough. If you pray to a person who's not God, you'll never get answered because only God has the power to answer prayers. He's infinite in power. He's worthy of worship. Only God should be worshipped. Jesus receives worship so many, 12 times in the gospel, he receives worship. And then he claimed to be the truth. Wow. Truth is so beautiful. He says, I am. Buddha, before he died, he said, I'm still searching for truth. Because the finite point is trying to look for the infinite. Here we have the infinite coming down to the finite. And then he says, I have all authority. Only God has all authority. And he claimed to be one in essence with God. The claims of Jesus is outstanding. So there's no doubt biblically that Jesus Christ came to claim to be God. And that is so beautiful. Let's go to the next one. Look at the evidence here. They saw him walk on the water, steal the raging storm, made the lame to walk, caused the blind to see, fed 5,000 with a few pieces of bread and fish, lived a blameless life, died a terrible death, rose from the dead. There's no history like that of anyone. Check, check the history of humanity and compare that with Jesus Christ. Let's look at it. In Jesus Christ, you have the mind of God. If you look to Christ, you will know what the mind of God is all about. You will know the nature of truth. I love philosophy. And Jesus is the wisdom of God in Jesus. Jesus gives us how to behave. Jesus shows the way of wisdom, the way of love, the way of forgiveness. Jesus is the missing piece in our theology. He's the missing piece in our philosophy. He's the missing piece in our education because he is the wisdom of God the value of a soul jesus tells us the ego confucius he doesn't talk about soul but jesus does the value of a soul the beauty of grace only christianity provides grace john's gospel says the law was given by moses but grace and truth came through jesus christ that's so beautiful no religions of the world majors on grace but christianity does because grace is so beautiful. Grace is what we need. And in Christ, we have amazing grace. And then, forgiveness of sin. No religions handles this thing. In Christianity, what's so great about Christianity? Forgiveness. Look at all the world's religion. You don't find forgiveness there. Even if there, it is empty. Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. He paid the price for forgiveness. Forgiveness. And this is so powerful. That's why I'm a Christian, because I find in Christianity things I could never find in human wisdom. It is so beautiful. And then, hope of the world. Jesus Christ came with hope. If you read this passage, study it, meditate, you'll find many precious truths here. I don't have the time to go in detail. Only Christ can give us hope. In this world of despair, in this world of sin, in this world of hatred, in Jesus Christ, we have hope. That's why Christianity is still relevant today. Let's go to the next one. Next one. Okay. When I was 17, I became a Christian. And, uh, and the five things that governs my theology so I'd like to share with you. Next, the first one. The next one. He answers the question of truth. But Plato says, as the heart is designed for love, the mind is designed for truth. Yes, you may be romantic and find a sweetheart, but what about your mind? Have you, find, have you found the truth that your mind is longing for? Your mind is created for truth. Your heart is created for love. And in Christianity Jesus comes along and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He satisfies my search for truth. Only Jesus can provide the truth. We're so familiar with the word Jesus, but you know how profound he is? I was lecturing a few years ago. I lecture very regularly at the Tongan University. And I asked my 30 students to define what is truth from a Christian point of view. Explain the nature of truth, the essence of truth, the objectivity of truth, the relevance of truth. And you know this, there's a crisis of truth today. People may be educated in so many areas, but when it comes to the concept of truth, they don't know what it is. They're superficial. It's a sad reality when we don't engage our mind in the light of truth. You're created for truth. You're designed for the truth. You're made for the truth. And Jesus is the truth. And he gives us the truth in a beautiful way. He shows the beauty of truth better than Socrates. In fact, Socrates says, I've done the best I can if I only had a raft of revelation to carry me over the sea of doubt. Wow. Buddha, before he died, he said, I'm still searching for truth. But Jesus said, you will know the truth to a postmodern age which is doubtful of truth. It's so superficial, you know. It's so glamorized by the media and their preached by the politicians, and there is the absence of truth. But Jesus comes and shows. See, truth of Jesus is different to the world. It is not glamorous. It is not trendy. It is solid. It is humble. It is beautiful. And that's what we are designed for. When we find Christ, we find the truth. Let's look at the forgiveness of sin. I already addressed that. We are guilty of sin. But where is our solution? Forgiveness is a powerful thing, but we don't practice it sadly. If you would only believe Jesus in forgiving people, we will be different people because there's power in forgiveness. When we find forgiveness in Christ, I remember the night I embraced Jesus. I cried for two hours, tears of joy, because it was just wow. Wow. It's amazing. The love that I found in Christ, the beauty that I found in Christ, the power that I find in Christ is awesome. Wow, it is just beautiful to know Jesus, the Son of God. When you know Him, you will know the power of forgiveness because you cannot stand... In the presence of, that's what the songwriter says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. That's what you have in Christianity. Christianity is not a simple faith. Christianity is a profound faith. It is a beautiful faith. It is a faith that sets us free from the shackles of the world and we are liberated, and that's so beautiful. Christianity is something very special. Third, you find the truth, you find forgiveness, you find the peace. Here we have the passage here. Jesus in verse 26, he says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. The peace of Christ transcends all yoga meditation. The peace of Christ goes beyond what you find in the world. Jesus is the prince of peace. And if you truly know him, you will know his peace. Paul talks about the peace that passeth all understanding. And that's our privilege. But the door to peace open with our heart. When we open our hearts to him, we will see the wonder of his peace. And it's just beautiful. You may go through crisis. You may go through troubles breakups relational problem but the peace of christ is so beautiful because it never leaves you it's your privilege to know that because he came for you with peace let's do the fourth one well christianity is not something that you run with your own power in christianity we have christ's power the power of Christ. I was talking to my friend, Ron, a Canadian evangelist, beautiful guy. He went to Thailand to speak at a convention there. But he was very interested to meet a Thai. No, actually he's a Cambodian who was living in Thailand. This man was, in his early days, used to play music on radio and preach the message of Christ. The communists came over, took... Him and his family, and pointed the gun to the sons. He had a 10 year old boy, put the gun onto his head, and said, Deny your faith, and we will let you live. At that moment, the little boy, who was 10 years old, looked at his dad and Mom, Mom, what, what are you guys going to do? The father said, We cannot do that. We cannot deny our Lord. He is so special. We can never. At that moment, they shot the boy. He, he, he died instantly. And then they turned to the wife, what about you? She says, never. They shot her, and she fell dead. And because he was a powerful man, they didn't kill him. They made him work in the camp, labor camp. But by the providence of God, he's able to escape Cambodia go to Thailand and my friend Ron had a good time talking to him about the Lord. My friend asked this amazing Christian the question how could you do that? What gave you the courage to affirm Christ? And this amazing Christian said I've not lost my wife. I've not lost my son. They're with Christ. Because Christianity is real. If you believe Christianity is real, you will not deny it. You will live it. Because Christianity is true. What is so great about Christianity? We have a Savior who died for our sin on the cross. And he says, Lo, I'm with you even till the end of the age. In Christ's the starlit rock I stand, all other grounds is sinking sand, I've lost my wife, i lost my son, in fact I used to share this story and then, then I lost my wife and my brilliant son, who became number one in the country, top student, he beat all the kids in New Zealand, to lose a brilliant boy, he would, I would say if he was alive, he would perhaps get a Nobel Prize, he was super bright. To lose a son and lose a wife, a beautiful, brilliant wife. She's beautiful, she was talented, she was amazing. Well, I'm here today standing before you. How is that possible? A man who lost his wife and son and preaches Christ? Well, because I believe Christianity is true. It's the only faith that can give me hope, it's the only faith that can give me power, peace. I can laugh, I can joke because I know the Lord. Christianity is not just another faith. It is the faith. It is what you need. is what I need. It's what makes us human. It's what fulfills our life. It's what gives us power. It gives us fulfillment, happiness, peace. When we're committed to Christ, because Christ did not come in vain, he came with a purpose. He came with peace. He came in person. He came with power. And we have the power. I can stand here not with my own power, but I'm here because of the power of Christ. I'm amazed how Christ works in our life as when we are committed to him. There is no disappointment in life. In Jesus Christ, we have a divine appointment. We have a change of appointment because God did not create this universe in vain, but he created this for a purpose. My last point here. I major in apologetics. Apologetic is my cup of tea. I love it. Why do I do that? Because I want to know if Christianity is true. Because I meet so many atheists, so many skeptics, so many religionists, and they always ask questions. I want to make sure that my faith is true. I was just talking to a Strobus, or you know, the man who wrote uh, on faith, Lee Strobel, and the day I talked to him, my book arrived in his desk. He says, Steve, you don't believe. Uh, I just ordered your book, Christianity for Skeptic, and he's here, and you're calling me from New Zealand? And we, we chatted for a while because he's an in- investigative journalist, and he's very interested in evidence. What I like about Christianity is not just a faith that we all can exercise. We don't have to be PhDs to be Christian. <laughs> of course, PhD means phenomenally dumb anyway. Uh, and uh, uh, what is called mental damage, or not like academic damage, uh, when you look at it. But explore the basis for truth, and you find apologetic is a rewarding subject. It strengthens your faith because Christianity is not just an abstract theory; it is a faith grounded in historical event, the resurrection. In my book, I talk about G.B. Hardy, uh, and he, he sums it up beautifully. He says there are essentially Two requirement. Two requirements. Has anyone cheated death and proved it? Number two. And he he's a, he's a record. Confucius' tomb occupied. Buddha's tomb occupied. Muhammad's tomb occupied. Jesus' tomb is empty. Argue as you will. It's no point in following losers. Think about that. He can come and speak. You know, profoundly on some, some subjects. But what about death? Jesus comes in person. He comes with power. He comes with a purpose. And then he comes with a proof. And he says, destroy this body and in three days I will raise it up. You know, the greatest enemy that we face is death. Death will take everything that you have. That will finish your existence. It's a master over you. But Jesus comes along, lives a powerful life, a beautiful life, shows how to how we should live, and then he says, Destroy this body. I will raise it up. He dies on the cross, pays the payment for our sin, then on the third day he rises up. And that's why Christianity exists today. If there's no resurrection, there will be no Christianity. If there is no resurrection, We are in vain following a faith. But because the resurrection is true, one day God will raise my family, my wife and my son. He will bring hope to this world. And that's what we have. It is not just a simple faith. It's a profound, it's more than what I can explain. It is so beautiful in every way. Christianity is based on that resurrection message. Jesus did not come in vain. He defeated man's greatest enemy, the death itself. And because he love, I can face tomorrow. Because he love, all fear is gone. Because I know my savior loves. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your people here. Thank you for bringing them together. Thank you for the worship Thank you for the ministry here. Father, I pray that you'll continue to bless your people. And I pray for those, Lord, who are hurting, those who are going through a difficult time. May your presence give them comfort. May you watch over them. Thank you for the ministers of this church. I pray that your blessing will rest upon them as they serve you so beautifully. Thank you, Lord, before we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.